shotglassdigital.com. Rebel Force Radio's Star Wars Oxygen is brought to you by Little Debbie Snacks and their new Cosmic Cupcakes. Rebel Force Radio presents Star Wars Oxygen. The music of John Williams. Red 5, I'm going in. Like Star Wars itself, the music in the film defied conventional wisdom. At a time when disco was burning up the charts, having a traditional symphonic soundtrack was another huge risk on Lucas's part. He really understood the genre that I was talking about. It's a group of composers that weren't that well looked upon in the 70s. There was a different attitude toward the old-fashioned symphonic and the scores. And I had a lot of music in the movie. Hey, Star Wars fans, Jimmy Mack here with you, and welcome once again to Star Wars Oxygen, the music of John Williams. It's Rebel Force Radio's monthly look at the work of the maestro in all six films of the Star Wars saga. And of course, joining me, as always, musician, video game, sound designer. He's formerly of LucasArts, and he's currently with Sony Interactive, and most importantly to us, he's the host of Star Wars Celebration Digital Stage. It's David Collins. Hey, Jimmy Mack and Star Wars music fans and aficionados. Welcome to Volume 12 of Star Wars Oxygen, the music of John Williams. I can't believe it, but a year ago this month, November of 2013, we started doing this show. And here we are, our 12th show. Not quite our one-year anniversary, but uh, our one-year anniversary in spirit. And we are, you know, rounding third on our look at Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, we still have a lot of music to talk about. Um, we certainly won't finish it this month, but I think we'll close out the classic trilogy in 2014. We've had a great time talking about Star Wars A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Last time we on, on this show, we talked about all of the source cues in the world uh, that the characters here in Return of the Jedi, the lapty necks and the, and the yub nubs and all that kind of stuff. This week, we're going to focus on themes and maybe even some deleted music and just see how far we get. There's a lot of great moments in the film that I want to run down from top to bottom of the movie. Uh, but for now, um, just happy to be here and keep the conversation, the musical conversation going. Uh, Jimmy Mack, it seems like people are really responding to the show. We had a great time, great Halloween episode. And uh, we're all just settled in here. I've got my little cup of tea ready to go and cup of tea chat from star wars i wonder what john williams drinks while he's composing star wars music probably a cup of tea probably cup of tea yeah I t- hey, i'm trying to be as sophisticated you know speaking of which i've heard the rumor that williams has actually been composing music specifically for a trailer that's already in existence and we could be seeing the trailer and hearing new john williams star wars music maybe as soon as next month wow Yeah, we're going to have to talk about either doing a little emergency uh, oxygen or just covering the music specifically next month. But I've heard the same rumor that a trailer is coming and that John Williams is involved. And I think it's just going to be wonderful. Of course, teaser trailers are usually pretty light. But either way, I mean, if I had to guess now, knowing nothing, I would say that we're going to hear the Force theme. That would be my number one guess. We're going to hear the Force theme. We might hear the main title, but, I mean, it's a teaser trailer. So you think with a teaser trailer, you're probably going to hear that. Maybe the Rebel fanfare. 
you know, maybe some, some, some tremolo strings, you know, something like that. But uh, who knows? I cannot wait for more John Williams. I can't believe it's actually upon us. More Star Wars music is coming our way that quickly. That quickly. Now, I don't think Williams is going to be involved in the music for the spinoff films. I think those are going to have its own particular brand of oxygen. But um, he's definitely going to be composing music for at least the first Star Wars sequel, which is going to be called... The Force Awakens. Of course, everyone's been talking about the title announcement. And you and me, David, talked about it on Rebel Force Radio just last week, as a matter of fact. So uh, if, if anyone wants to hear what we think about that title, just go back and listen to the last couple episodes of Rebel Force Radio. But here we're, we're actually looking back, looking back at the music of Return of the Jedi and some of the great compositions by John Williams for that incredible classic film. So uh, where are you going to take us to this week, David? Where are we going to start? Well, you know, we've talked about a lot of themes, and I want to keep talking about themes. I actually have finished my little theme tracker. For those of you that listen to the show, you know that I'm keeping track of all the appearances of main themes or leitmotifs, motives um, that we have. Luke Skywalker's theme, Obi-Wan Kenobi's theme, Han and Leia's theme, that sort of thing. Um, and I have a few stats that I wanted to run down for everybody. Cool. Um, there are a lot of appearances of themes that we're familiar with, like the main title or Luke Skywalker's theme. Um, there are some new themes, of course, that we have in, in this movie. We have Jabba the Hutt, which we talked about. We have, um, of course, uh, the Emperor's theme that we talked about. Um, but there's another theme that appears, and that would be a theme for the Ewoks. We haven't talked about the Ewok music yet. Why well, we haven't touched on that, have we? It, we there is very distinct Ewok music, though. There is very distinct Ewok music. And, you know, what's interesting is that the Ewok music kind of defines so much of the latter half of the, of the movie. Yeah. You know, there's, there's just a lot of music in there. And, um, and their themes are actually very complicated, you know, but they're, they're playful. And, it, and I don't know if you remember a few, um, a few episodes ago. It was actually a while ago when I was talking about, you know, uh, like a, a, a bugle call, you know. You know, those kind of intervals um, right. when we were talking about the main title and how those were the only intervals that brass could play. Well, as a result, you get a lot of um, you get a lot of primitive sounding horns, you know, that you'll see in a lot of movies, either with barbarians or, you know, movies in ancient times where people have a giant, you know, some sort of cone or horn where you just kind of hear, you know, or like, right. Sure. You hear that kind of stuff. Well, that kind of sound, that kind of open sound of, uh, you know is very much associated with sort of primitive sounding war cultures or tribes or call to arms, you know, just like the, um, the, the, the theme there, the military, uh, uh, you know, uh, bugle call that I played there. So the same is true with the Ewoks. The Ewoks have actually a couple themes, but one of them is this one. There it is. You know, it's Are got you this playing kind of, that? You're playing that. I am playing that, yes. Oh my God, I thought you were playing this, the actual soundtrack itself. No, but I can do that. Oh, that's Let's incredible. See. So, so you're sitting there with flute. Uh, I, I'm not playing. I'm actually playing it on a keyboard. It's a sample. Oh. I'm not actually. Hold on. Let me lick my lips here. Um, <laughs> you're not standing there like Ian Anderson with one <laughs> foot off the ground. And, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, we're ruining the illusion for everybody. I, uh, I guess I'm just yeah, not so, that I cool. I have to know. I have to know if this is really happening. Yeah, sitting on a park bench. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm not doing that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's got that primitive call, and of course they use that kind of recorder sound. I'm just kind of imitating it here. I can play the beginning of the um, of the parade of the Ewoks just so you can all kind of get it in your ear here. Here it is. Um, right? But here's the funny thing about the Ewoks, is that they actually have kind of multiple themes associated with them. There's this one, but then there's this other theme that com comes in. This is, the Parade of the Ewoks is just a concert thing. This actually doesn't appear in the, in the movie this way, but check this out. So that that's a really um, that's a really interesting one to me because you have two totally different themes for the Ewoks, and again, they all kind of have that sort of they kind of play around that melody, but they add mischief to it almost, and kind of a little bit of humor as it kind of dances around it, right? And the same is true with right. So it's got that just a little bit of um, you know these kind of. Right, it's got just a little bit of um, like it'll be a half step off here and a half step off there. So it's it's kind of like that war call, but it's like a little bit, uh, a little off, you know, because that's kind of what the Ewoks are. They're this kind of unexpected twist at yeah. the end of the Star Wars saga. And again, here's John Williams painting with so many different brushes in order to kind of set the tone. Again, I think on a subconscious level of what these guys are all about. They're primitive. Um, they're playful. And in fact, when you actually, when you see Wicket for the first time in that great scene from the movie with Leia, right, you actually get that kind of, you get that, 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 uh, theme. I actually don't know if this, uh, this here, I actually, is that, is that Wicket's theme? I, I'm not actually no. sure because you, this is what, oh, here, let me play this for you. This is what you hear the right. first time you see Wicket. You hear this. That's when he's chatting with Leia, you know, and he's kind of eating, you know, they look like saltine crackers there. I'm not even sure what it is, you know, right before the uh, biker scout shows up and starts shooting at the two of them. I think um, they're Nilla wafers, if you want to be specific. Oh, that that actually, oh, is it to, in order to be to be specific, <laughs> that's what they are? Nilla wafers. And um, so what is the actual title of that track? Which one? The, the Wicked intro track? Oh, so they're two different tracks. Okay. Well, so yeah, I played two different tracks for you. The first one I played for you is the Parade of the Ewoks, and you can actually find that on the soundtrack. That's that's just kind of a concert version, you know. There's it's on the soundtrack, but it's it's just kind of a, a concert version of of the the themes kind of presented. The other one is actually film underscore that was actually in the movie, and I believe that's called the hyper excuse me speeder bike chase slash the land of the Ewoks. The land of the Ewoks. But you know what? That particular rhythm fragment there, I would definitely say is, is identifiable with Wicked. Primarily for the fact that, yeah, they show it during his introduction, but they also play it when he's introduced in the Ewok movie Caravan of Courage. 
And that's one of those rare instances where Williams' music is being used in those films. Um, they primarily, I believe, go with an original soundtrack for most of those Ewok films, but they do bring back the Wicked music in that. And the first piece, Parade of the Ewoks, which you say is a concert piece, I've seen that perform live. It's Star Wars in concert, and that one is a barn burner. That brings the house down when the yeah. full orchestra is there playing it right in front of you. It's almost like you see colors coming out of the instruments. It's so dynamic and such a great piece to hear live. It really is kind of a concert representation of a really incredible feat by the London Symphony Orchestra. I've actually mentioned this a couple of times, but around the, the, the beginning of the Battle of Endor, all the way through to the end of the movie, it's constant action music. I mean, you are just, or it's, you know, when it's not, it's because there's underscore with, you know, in the Emperor's throne room, but the London Symphony Orchestra, you know, starting around the time that, you know, the, the Ewok battle starts, maybe a little bit before that, to the end of the movie, is just on overdrive. I mean, they just go and go and go. On the soundtrack, there's the Battle of Endor 1, the Battle of Endor 2, the Battle of Endor 3, you know, and plus there's, you know, a bunch of other cues in there as well. And it just encompasses everything. And And I like that you say it's a barn burner because it's true. They just, they just go for it. And it's getting back to, you know, John Williams using the orchestra to kind of tell the story of these guys. You know, when the Ewoks finally attack, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens at the end of the Return of the Jedi, right? So, you know, they first, they get into the bunker, and when they're in the bunker, they get captured. You rebel scum, right? And then they're all taken outside, and then 3PO is used as a diversion, and then the Ewoks attack to kind of save the day, you know? And when yeah. they do, listen to the music. I want to play something for you here. This is the music that that John Williams uses in order to underscore the beginning of the Ewok attack, it sounds like this. And then they're all looking around, you know, and uh, the battle just kicks off as these Ewoks just go nuts on these stormtroopers, you know, throwing rocks and uh, doing all kinds of stuff, right? Um, you can actually hear this is here. Here's the the movie version of that, so you can hear it in context and listen to how much it adds. Imagine you know the Ewoks popping up out of the brush, you know, and yep. and uh, and you know exactly what this moment is. Check it out. Don't move. We surrender. <laughs> And there's that horn, right? And notice the interval there, right? The interval is the, you know, it's that uh, it's that perfect fifth, um, and that's that kind of war cry, again, very similar to, right? So like it, it's it's all kind of related in that way, you know. And it's again John Williams using the the orchestra in order to paint a picture of what's going on here and to kind of tell the story about the Ewok culture, um, to tell the story about uh, about you know what's going on in the in the overall plot there, and using kind of the colors. You mentioned colors coming out of the instruments. I loved that because that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah, you know the the, the virtual power of the music. You know, it, it actually you know creates that sort of just, I don't know, aesthetic in your mind as you hear it, you know, when you associate 
music with color and that can happen you know you hear a song and you'll be like oh that's a blue song that's a you know that's kind of a downer song that that song's blue or something that's really upbeat and fast you might associate the color red with it that's you know that's just how you know the human mind works sometimes we we cross our senses a little bit and uh you know that's what makes williams music work so well with visuals is the fact that he can connect with it on that level all the time, it seems like. He really can. You'll bring the color into the music, which then underscores what you're seeing on screen. It's, you know, obviously he's, he's the maestro. Yeah, you know, the, the, the virtual power of the music, you know, it, it actually creates that sort of just, I don't know, aesthetic in your mind as you hear it, you know, when you associate music with color and that can happen you know you hear a song and you'll be like oh that's a blue song that's a you know that's kind of a downer song that that song's blue or you know something that's really upbeat and fast you might associate the color red with yeah well, that's just how you know the human mind works sometimes we yeah absolutely abs- you know he you know, he uses a lot of uh, a, a lot of great colors you know I, I hear kind of greens and, and reds in there somehow you know because of course I'm associating it with the visuals that I've seen um, but y- you get a lot of cues in this movie to kind of harken back to certain things, to harken back to primitive cultures in this case. Um, you know, one of the other tricks that I wanted to talk about on the show is that he kind of subtly ties this uh, movie in with episode four in a couple of ways. Um, and, and, you know, as I was kind of looking through the score, there's, there's some moments that are really, really subtle in how he does it. And then there are other moments that are like just really... Um, really in your face so for example like when the droids are captured at the beginning of the movie you know the droids are uh they go to jabba and they play the hologram for for uh jabba the hut of luke skywalker you know and then he takes him downstairs into kind of that droid torture room you remember this of course yeah so you get this kind of right that's that's when they see captain solo but as you go further in you know and they're downstairs in the dungeons um, you get these kind of like violin movements and these parallel fifths that are very similar to the sand crawler when they're stuck in the sand crawler here. Yes. Here it is, right here. You know, it's very similar orchestration to what you had last time the droids were in this kind of precarious situation on Tatooine, right? It's yeah, that it's same really kind a- of orchestration from A New Hope. Wow, that's that's great that you made that connection. Yeah. Happens early in the film, happens on the sand planet, happens in a situation where they are being held against their will by... Uh, smelly bad dudes. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's perfect. It's perfect. And... It, absolutely reminiscent of that sand crawler music yeah and it happens in other ways throughout the movie i I actually think it happens from the beginning of the movie all the way to the end of the movie can i play a couple more examples of that yes yes so there's a couple of really kind of um uh really subtle ones right but uh let me let me play a a rebel fleet cue for you here when the when the fleet kind of gathers um you hear this kind of great cue which i just love um here it comes. You'll recognize this immediately. Right, we know this cue, right? That's those great trumpets going. 
you know, as the as the fleet is gathering, right? But check out this this section that's coming up right here. This is kind of what I want to point out to you right here. So especially when it goes da dum da 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 dum da da dum, right? It's it's heart it's kind of harkening back to the throne room cue of episode four. Oh yeah, I, I don't know if you can hear that, but that da dum da 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 dum, right? If you actually listen to the throne room, yes, it's got it's 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 just these little subtle things here. Here's the B section of the throne room, just to get it fresh in your ears here. Right. So then oh. if you if you go back to that, uh, the rebel fleet here, I'm just going to play it again right here. Here it comes right here. Do you hear that? Oh, my God. And that's when they're all getting ready to jump to hyperspace to to basically begin their attack. I mean, they're they're all assembled there and they're going to fly towards uh the second death star right um and you just kind of hear you just kind of hear them uh all getting ready for that you know and uh wait is it there have they already jumped i'm not well, anyway so i just remember lando calrissian and Nina are in the in the in the cockpit and they're talking about how everyone's just kind of getting ready and all systems are go there and you hear the throne room i hear the throne room there if you caught that hey nandum is that the throne room you're hearing too <laughs> let's fly this bucket of bolts all right so that's that's a deleted scene too by the way ladies and gentlemen but uh yeah that, that <laughs> right, definitely right. is almost almost of easter egg quality for williams to put that little nod to the throne room theme in there yeah yeah i have a kind I of another a, easter egg speaking of the alliance kind of assembling together there's actually a, a cue uh, this is really subtle but since we're talking about it might as well point it out there is a cue called alliance assembly here which you know starts with many bothans died to bring us this information you know all this kind of stuff well as you get further into the queue um you get this kind of you get this kind of thing here You get it again here. Now I hear a couple of different things in there. I heard a little bit of the rebel rebel fanfare there at the end. But if you listen to the rhythm of that, it's got this like bum 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 bum. It actually is kind of like. The force is with the rebellion because it's using the the kind of rhythm of the force theme to kind of and and the melody's just kind of rising as as the rebellion is kind of gathering momentum, you know. And uh, if you listen just really subtly, there he's borrowing the rhythm at least of the very beginning of the force theme. Take a listen to this again. And then there's the kind of rebel fanfare. You know, it's got just, it's very subtle, right? There's just these, these kind of like little subconscious cues of how he's just kind of tying it all together, even though this is largely a, a new piece of music, right? Um, but you still have it here. 
it's just it's just this brilliant little piece, and I just love this little piece uh, because it's this moment of uh, of like uh, of a sort of safety, you know, strength in numbers. It's the first time you see the rebellion really, you know, showing uh, this massive uh, display of force. They've got this giant, uh, <laughs> no pun intended, this giant fleet gathered over Sullust, you know, and. Um, they're going to go after the Death Star. And that piece just kind of lifts you a little bit and gets you excited right before the movie basically takes off into this fever-pitched uh, ending that lasts for like another 40 minutes, you know, of just constant music, constant battle, and constant uh, character development and story moving at the speed of light. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. Most people think that those were like Bothan spies, but in actuality, there was a character named Manny Bothans, and uh, his story is told in Shadows, I believe. Shadows of the Empire. Right. Is that right? Manny Bothans? I think he was dating Mon Mothma. My boy, Manny Bothans, died Manny. to bring us this information. As you see here, the story is complete BS. <laughs> right, and then Akbar comes in. He's just, he's just so gentle, like, with, his, with his, <laughs> like, his sweet tones coming out of his voice. Manny Bothans says she's having a moment. Yeah, and he's her just boyfriend like, died. <laughs> Yeah, just comes on. It's like, oh, God, this guy's not very subtle, is he? A little tact, dude. Yeah. I know you're a fish out of water here. But... Oh, zing. Yeah, nice one. Oh, that's a good one. Even an old fish like me can appreciate a joke like that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it is kind of an interesting moment. I actually really like the music in that scene because it's, it's uh, it's got this kind of uh, it does it has this kind of uplifting like oh my gosh this is we're about to see something it's kind of foreshadowing what we're about to see like you're going to go in here and you're going to destroy the main reactor. It's like you know how would the Elephant Man have been different had you know it starred Admiral Akbar you know the Elephant I'm not Man an animal. <laughs> I'm not a fish. I'm a human being. Wait, I'm a human being. I'm not an animal. Fish. <laughs> okay. Um, now that the show has completely been derailed. Yeah. Well, yeah, so we were talking, I mean, just to, to kind of wrap up the idea of just kind of throwing back to other things, maybe that example was a little subtle. So let me let me just change it up for you a little bit and just kind of, you know, give you a piece that is a complete lift. I mean, a 100% lift. I mean, it's a new recording, but he basically uses the TIE Fighter battle, the Here They Come piece, bump, 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 and then the end battle over Yavin, the Battle of Yavin, um, they rescored it, and that's what they used for the Millennium Falcon and the and the X-wing fighters and everything going into the second Death Star and blowing up the the main reactor here. And that sounds like this. I mean, it's a new recording from Jedi. This is called Battle of Endor Three. If you start the track, this is what you're going to get, right? But it is absolutely a New Hope revisited completely revisited note for note you know it's just a new recording wow. and this goes on for a couple minutes as they're flying through yeah yeah so he just completely takes from himself that's a fresh recording right that's not just replaying the the old recording is it that is a fresh recording yes it's a new recording that they did and uh um you know kind of uh rescored it but it, it harkens back to episode four right and it kind of just ties the trilogy together and it's kind of neat. So you get this familiar music. I think it feels great. It just feels right, you know, to have this here at the very end. It, it just kind of brings it all back full circle. The circle is now complete. 
But, right. you know, I mean, because here we are, we're going up against a, another Death Star, you know, posing a similar threat and everything. And it's once again the underdogs trying to come back and overthrow the tyrannical empire. And, yeah, so it just makes all the sense in the world. You think yeah. that Williams, or even Lucas for that matter, are ever in a position where they're like, oh, is it is it too familiar? Is it too familiar? Now, see, David, you say it just feels right. Um, but is there? do we have that danger of going into familiar territory too much? And is that something we're going to have to look out for maybe in the sequel trilogy? Uh, yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, like, let's put it this way. Star Wars Rebels is incredibly familiar, right? But I think that what we're experiencing right now is kind of this uh, renaissance of the classic trilogy in general, Right looking toward the sequel trilogy. And maybe that's just a natural reaction. You know, as the pendulum swings stylistically from one era to the next. We were in the sequel, excuse me, the prequel era for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, we were there for, since from 99 to 2014, really, with the Clone Wars. Right. You know, we right. were there for a long time. Now it's kind of, kind, of, kind of going back and we're getting all this classic music again. Hey, this show even, right? We've been yeah. looking at the classic trilogy. Um yeah, it is. There is a danger, you know, for the you know talking about the familiar. Ironically, as as we get closer to the Force Awakens, we're going to be talking about the prequel trilogy, which I think is bringing balance to the musical fools. But um, but yeah, I mean, there is that danger. I think in the case of of that particular cue, you are so deep into Return of the Jedi, and you've heard so much new stuff and so many new visuals that I think it was kind of right to to kind of do a reprise. It's just like in classical music or if you go to, uh, you know, go to the theater or see a musical or an opera, you know, you get a familiar theme right when it really matters, you know. Um, it, it's it's just, it's a, it, it's like a quote. It's harkening back to something, you know, and uh, things in stories happen in, in cycles, you know, and we're experiencing another cycle here. This is, we're really gonna, we're really gonna do it this time. Now the Emperor's gone, we just have to have our heroes wrap it up, and how better to do it than to harken back to episode four. And that's what, uh, that's what they gave us here. Yeah, yeah, exactly, note for note, as it seems, um, which is great. I mean, of course, you know, putting it in context, instantly I think of Return of the Jedi when I'm hearing the music now. Mm-hmm. But, of course, we can take the same music and remember a new hope but it's funny just how you know i was keeping it all within that same context so when we hear that music again i have it firmly locked in return of the jedi this time just because it represents kind of the same thing for both films to me you know that one piece of music brings together the same thing from both films. So I find it easy to kind of make that shift. You know, I I think both films after this period of time have, have earned co-ownership of that piece. You know, it just doesn't feel like it's so recycled to me is what I'm trying to say. Somehow Williams repositions it, reuses it, but yet it still seems fresh for me by the time we're at return of the Jedi. Yeah, I think so. Especially, I think that's the, power, that's the power of the composition itself, where it can be used in a multi-purpose sort of way, but yet seem fresh both times. Well, and it ends in a very different way. You know, it, it ends in that kind of... Um, uh, let's see if I can bring it up here. Hold on. Mm-hmm. 
right? So it ends with a very different sound, you know, which we is very Return of the Jedi, you know. Um, that cue kind of goes to a completely different place. And by the way, that same cue, um, not the same cue, but the same theme, it's two different recordings, happens when you blow up uh, Jabba's sail barge as well, right? right. So when yeah, you blow up yeah. the second Death Star and you blow up the sail barge, you kind of get the same cue. There's a couple of those in the movie too, where you see something at the beginning and then you get another version of it at the end. Um, I'll give you another example of that. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, you have this, uh, this kind of, um, let's see if I can find it here. The, uh, you have this kind of what I call the trap theme, right? And this is when the, um, when the Vader shuttle is coming into the Death Star at the very beginning of the movie, you kind of hear this little theme here. Here it is, you know, as it's approaching the Death Star. Right. So that but da dump but da dump bumch but da dump but da dump bump. You eventually hear again um, in the Battle of Endor when they realize that the shields are still up and they need to break off their attack on the second Death Star. I mean, this is actually what I'm playing for you now is the entire beginning of the 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 Battle of Endor, right? So it starts out on the ground, you know. It's actually really cool. There's just so much original music, and I guess that's my point, is that, you know, to have some, 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 some classic themes in there is fine, if you consider how much he wrote that is brand new. Um, but you can feel this new trap theme building throughout this entire thing, you know? Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to cover this is because I feel like it's the basis for the Rebels, Star Wars Rebels cue, right? Main theme here. Um, let me move forward here a little bit. There it is. Yep, yep. Right? I feel like it's that same cue that was hinted at at the very beginning of the movie when Vader landed on the Death Star, right? And this is when they're talking in the cockpit. A little bit of the B section of Luke's theme. Just funny because Luke isn't in this theme. They're in this uh, part. Right. But it's still the heart of the rebellion, right? Um, and then when they realize that this is bad and they need to break off the attack, they really give it to you here. So there's a lot of new music in here and um, a lot of themes that happen at the beginning and then happen later on. Boy, they really give it to you here. And then back on the planet. So, yeah, good stuff. I love that. I love that. Unless they know we're coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then I love that shot where they are, they're all kind of breaking and almost skidding in order to try and get away. Yes. To, oh, it's so good. To think that that was all done with just, you know, um, cameras and models and certain angles, you know, and then comp together on a big uh, digital, or not even digital, sorry, big analog um, machine. Like you're putting so many layers together on a scrapbook. You know, you're doing it all optically. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing to think about how they did all that, you know, and hiding the mat lines and, oh, and how time consuming it was, you know. There you go. That was the main thing. Yeah. Those guys yeah. were wizards over at ILM, as you know. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
So, uh, wow, you know, that's a, I, I really do love that piece. And that's, again, another piece that really would lend itself to live performances. If you ever had the chance to catch a live orchestra performing Star Wars music, if, if you should happen to hear that particular piece, that one, again, it, it just, the complexity of the, the music, the orchestration, the inclusion of every instrument on the stage all playing a role and of course the the big percussion is is really what makes it a spectacular piece and and what is the exact title of that particular track that's the battle of endor one that's the battle of endor one yeah okay. and, and it starts and so off. that sequence we we call that the it's a trap sequence i call it kind of a trap theme that da, 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 trap da. Theme. and i don't know why i call it that i actually had one that i called a trap theme and the other one those these are just my names for it as i'm going through my spreadsheet here and i'm trying to figure out what do we call this? You know, I mean, you hear it at the top of the movie, dun, 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 you know, and then you hear it again, almost, almost as a theme that he plays with at the beginning, the entire beginning of the battle of Endor, you know? Um, well, of course you're going to call it the trap theme. What else you're going to call it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Akbar. It's, it's, so I guess it's Akbar's theme. I don't Ak- know. It's taking ownership of that one. As it turns out, the entire, um, star Wars universe is all about Admiral Akbar. It's all um, Akbar yeah. all the time. It's kind of like in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that the whole thing is actually through the perspective of the chief, you know? This whole thing is actually really, you know, in the novelization, should have been just told from Akbar's point of view. Absolutely, it should have you been. <laughs> That's what I keep telling Lucas! <laughs> all right, Akbar, just relax, please. Stop interrupting the show. Send my original contract. <laughs> I need my medication, and I can't afford it with these bitch scenes. I'm supposed to be working every day, on every set. It's my movie. What sort of medication does Akbar use? That stuff you, you, you drop into the aquarium with a little eyedropper, you know? Yeah. It's funny. He's like, hold on, let me get my medication. The shield is down. Commence the main attack on the desktop. <laughs> <laughs> he's, it's, he's got one of those... Uh, those inhalers. That's right. Hold on, I need my galactic inhaler. I was terribly sorry. Where were we again? Um, I'm fine now, yes. <laughs> yes um, as I was saying, it's a trap. Um, lads, let's watch. pull back, shall we? Oh, he's not even glassy-eyed anymore. How about that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, they do, yeah, it corrects his vision as well, you know. Who, you, know, you could just hear the rebels in, the, in, that, scene, in that scene, you know, around the, uh, around the assembly hall. Who's he looking at right now? <laughs> I think he's looking at me. No, no, that's just how he looks. Shut up, shut up. Yeah, just be quiet. Go melt some butter. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> they are rebels. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, they're gonna. Yeah. I guess it's time for some diversity training, aren't they? Because uh, you can't. You're gonna get thrown on the rebel alliance talking like that. Those fighting words. And drop the lemons. <laughs> So he gets his own music. So that is the trap theme, and uh, that's official Rebel Force Radio canon. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yes, we're the, the oh the insights that we have here on this show. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I love that piece, and uh, so that is a small portion of Battle of Endor One. Mm-hmm. So they have Battle of Endor One and Battle of Endor Two, apparently, mm-hmm. and Battle of Endor Three, which is oh, the one that, mm-hmm, which is the one that has all of the. Uh, all of that uh, classic episode four music in it, and then ends with the explosion of the second Death Star. So Battle of Endor 2, we'll talk about in the next show just because it's enormous, and it contains all of that wonderful music from the scene with Luke, Vader, and the Emperor 
in it. I mean, okay. it's really. I would actually say that Battle of Endor Two is the is the sort of high point dramatically, the the climax of the movie. You know, that really is when everything happens is in Battle of Endor Two. You know, structure chase, Darth Vader's death, the main reactor. That's right. That's so. That's what we're using here. We're using the um, the soundtracks, the special editions. Is I use the special editions because it just contains the most music. Yes. I'm using so, those track names right now. Mm-hmm. So then this is what you would call, as of now, the essential soundtrack for Star Wars are these special edition releases. Well, that's actually a great question or comment because maybe this is a little bit too, you know, too in-depth to get into. But I, I do think it's worth mentioning that, yes, the, the special edition soundtracks that came out on uh, RCA in 1997 and were eventually re-released by Sony Classical. They are they are by far the definitive versions in terms of the amount of music that's on there. They're not complete, but they are the definitive versions. However, if you wanted to get my my opinion on on these, first of all, they have wonderful liner notes by a guy named Michael Matasino. They are wonderful collections and by far give you the most complete uh, look at the movie, and they're arranged in chronological order from beginning to the movie to the end of the movie, which, as you pointed out in the last episode, the original soundtracks weren't. They were just meant to flow like great albums, almost like a rock album would. Right. You know, let's put the ballad here as track two or whatever, right? Whereas these are the movie from the beginning to end, except maybe at the end of each side they would put, or excuse me, the end of each disc, they would put, you know, additional tracks or source cues or whatever. However... Return of the Jedi, and this might go be going a little too deep here, if people do a listening comparison between the Return of the Jedi Special Edition soundtrack and even the original Return of the Jedi soundtrack or the Return of the Jedi music from the box set from 93, I think this is actually the worst sounding of the, of the Return of the Jedi music that's available. And I've actually read some stuff online. While they were denoising, and particularly with Return of the Jedi... This, this recording has distortion in it. Um, it's missing a lot of high-end detail. I actually, I think you, the music sounds crisper and cleaner in the, um, in the actual movie and in some other recordings than it does on here. And it's really with Jedi. Star Wars and Empire sound pretty good. For whatever reason, Jedi, they just really took a hammer to the denoising and you're losing a lot of high-end. And it's just kind of compressed, which means there's not as much dynamic range. It just doesn't sound as good as, say, like the, the Utah Symphony or even previously previous versions of this recording that were available. You know, mm-hmm. But that might be a little bit you know, uh, audiophile of me. But for those listeners that really care about this stuff, I think it's worth mentioning. I mean, I would love to see a re-release of particularly of Return of the Jedi and some of these recordings, first of all, with cues that are missing. You know, um, there are little bits and pieces that are missing, as we pointed out in the last the last uh, episode, you know. Um, not much. This is pretty complete. But also just something that it, it just sounds a little bit more restored. Um, but that's, you know, maybe that's going a little too deep. But since since you asked... I thought I'd bring that up. No, not at all. I mean, I, I think it's important to let our listeners know what we use as our sources here. And uh, and uh, so th- this was released in 97, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's when the special editions came out. Have we seen soundtrack releases since then? We have seen soundtrack releases, but they are actually just repackages of this. Of this. So yes. we need a full remaster here. You would need to go back to the original tapes, bake them, do a better job denoising them, and, uh, and remaster them, and, uh, and then actually put out a whole new soundtrack. 
you know, they're not perfect, but they're pretty darn good. So I don't want to go, I don't want to be too negative here. I actually love this, but I actually, I feel like it just feels like there's kind of a little bit of a, of a, of a sheet or a wet blanket thrown over the high end of, of this Jedi recording just a little bit. Um, I'll try and prepare a, it's hard to do critical listening on a podcast because I'm, you know, I'm turning this into an MP3 and all that kind of stuff. Of course, it's hard to yeah. do critical listening in general, but if you do have like a really nice system and you really like uh, collecting that, or if you're if you're an audiophile or anything like that, you can do. I invite you to do a comparison and let me know what you think. Um, you know, that being said, these are generally the special editions are generally what I use. Um, if if they're available on the special editions, that's what I'm using for this show, and that's what I'm using to track all of these themes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, any guesses as to the most popular themes, familiar themes, and and their appearances in Return of the Jedi? Oh, wow. In terms uh, of what themes are used the most? Yikes. Well, I, I'll go with the, the usual suspects, of course. Uh, the Force theme. Uh-huh. Um, Leia's theme. Okay. The Imperial March. Cool. You are a very wise man because what I was going to say is what I thought was so interesting. And again, this is not a perfect uh, tally here, but it's about a tie for the most, the themes that were used the most. It's about a tie for the Force theme, a.k.a. Obi-Wan's Kenobi theme and the Imperial March, a.k.a. Vader's theme. They're both used about 20 or 21 times in the movie. Whereas the Imperial March was there over 40 times in Empire Strikes Back. Again, some of these are cut, but that's how those are the themes that are used the most. The main title is used about 18 times. A lot of it's cut. Sometimes it's in alternate tracks, but it was recorded and used. Princess Leia's theme actually appears uh, four times. That's um, it? Yeah, four times. But hey, that's actually, I believe that that's more than it appeared in uh, Empire Strikes Back. In fact, I'll look that up right now and tell you. Ah, four times in Empire as well. However, one of them was cut in Empire. So it only you it's only audible in the movie three times in Empire, but it is audible four times in Jedi. So you do hear it more. Um, you hear it when uh when Leia is shot by a stormtrooper, you hear it very subtly. You hear it when Han and Luke find the wrecked speeders in the forest, you know. You hear it when Leia shoots down a, a fleeing scout on a speeder bike, you know, over kind of these wild arpeggiating strings, you know, the strings kind of going, whatever. And you hear it during Obi-Wan's revelation that Leia is Luke's sister and the music kicks in there. And in fact, I think that that scene might be a great way to end this volume. Wow. That's really some impressive research work you've done there, David. And I'm surprised to hear that Leia's theme didn't reoccur at that moment when she and Luke were having that discussion about who their father is there at the Ewok village. That is saved for Luke and Leia's theme, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's what you that's what you hear there. Um, as well as hearing um, the force theme. You hear that a but lot. But I'm surprised, like I said, at least you're not hearing a nod to that. Well, and well, the other it, reason yep, I feel like it's not used as often is because in Empire, you introduce Han and Leia's theme, which is very yeah. similar. And because you have that, um, you know, you, you'll find oftentimes with Leia that, you know, now Leia has one of three themes that could play when she's on screen. She's got Leia's theme. She's got Han and Leia's theme. She's got Luke and Leia's theme, you know. Um, this is, yeah. And so Luke and Leia's theme appears five times. Uh, Leia's theme appears four times, and the Han and Leia theme appears 
nine times, two there of which were go. cut. That sounds about right. Yeah, that one's in there a lot, you know. Um, and again, the Imperial March, 21 times, you say? 20 or 21 times, yeah. Um, I have to say, even though it's used that many times in the film and used even more in Empire Strikes Back, I think the most effective use of this theme happens in Return of the Jedi, and that is, of course, when the Emperor makes his grand entrance on the Death Star. And so appropriately, that to me feels like one of the most, if not the most, impactful uses of that particular composition. Yes. Yeah. Really good stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's used in so many different ways. Um, one of the- It just the, builds. It builds so nicely in yeah. that particular sequence. When you're looking on the outside of the Death Star and you see all those ships flying in formation as a tribute to the power of the Emperor paying them a visit, and then- they take you into the hangar and it just, it builds and builds and it's just so just bombastic by the time he's walking off the ship. It builds so nicely. Yeah. And so yeah. What I, one of the that, things that I want to do is uh, I'm going to end uh, next month with how Luke and Vader and the Emperor and that whole saga plays out musically um, throughout and what I'll do is I'll prepare sort of different treatments of the Imperial March because it's used in some really wonderful ways. And if you recall, even some touching ways, you know, towards the end. And I mean, there's just some incredible, incredible musical moments, probably some of the best moments of the entire saga um, musically. And uh, we will absolutely get to that. Um, and um, I, think, I think people really like that, you know, and I feel like it's a great way to end Return of the Jedi because that really is at the heart of Return of the Jedi. Uh, what I wanted to do was play a scene for you. If you recall in um, The Empire Strikes Back, there were, uh, there were a lot of scenes that had a music originally that were cut. You remember this, of course. Yeah. Um, there is one scene that's like that in Return of the Jedi. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> it's the scene where Obi-Wan Kenobi appears to Luke on Dagobah. Okay. And, you know, when, when Yoda, Yoda's death, I mean, boy, maybe we should talk about Yoda's death here just for a second as well. Yoda's death is chock full of themes, right? I mean, when, when Yoda is, is dying, you get Luke's theme, you get Yoda's theme, and you get the Force theme, and you get variations of all three of those for probably a good five to ten minutes, you know, while Yoda is, is giving all this plot. I mean, you're just hit with all of this heaviness, right? So by the time you actually get to <clears throat> the scene where, you know, Luke is by the X-Wing and, and Obi-Wan appears to him, it sounds like this. You can't go on alone. Yoda will always be with you. Obi-Wan. And then the music drops out, right? And this whole scene just plays like this as Ben and Why Luke talk. Why didn't you tell me? You told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father. Your father was seduced by the dark side of the force. Right, so we all know this. It he ends like this. To remain safely anonymous. And the music kicks back in. Leia. Leia's my sister. Your insight serves you There's well. Leia's theme. Bury your feelings deep down. Right, but that whole scene in between plays with no music. Oh, uh, yeah, right. But John Williams wrote some music. I want to play it for you. And very similar 
to how we did this in The Empire Strikes Back. I want to play it for you, and I want you to tell me what you think. Okay. Sounds like a plan? Yeah. Here you go, from the same spot. I can't go on alone. Yoda will always be with you. And here's the music was cut. Why didn't you tell me? You told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father. Your father was seduced by the dark side of the force. He ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. When that happened, the good man who was your father was destroyed. So what I told you was true, from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Anakin was a good friend. When I first knew him, your father was already a great pilot, but I was amazed how strongly the Force was with him. I took it upon myself to train him as a Jedi. I thought that I could instruct him just as well as Yoda. I was wrong. There is still good in him. He's more machine now than man. Twisted and evil. I can't do it, Ben. You cannot escape your destiny. You must face Darth Vader again. I can't kill my own father. Then the Emperor has already won. You were our only hope. Yoda spoke of another. The other he spoke of is your twin sister. But I have no sister. To protect you both from the Emperor, you were hidden from your father when you were born. The Emperor knew, as I do, if Anakin were to have any offspring, they would be a threat to him. That is the reason why your sister remains safely anonymous. Leia. Leia's my sister. And then sister. there it is. Your insight serves you well. Bury your feelings deep down, Luke. They do you credit, but they could be made to serve the Emperor. Pretty fascinating, right? Really, really cool. And Very back, cool. Yeah. And, yeah. And then back into this. Yes. You know. Yeah, so, so what'd you think? Obviously, it's, at some point, a, a cut of the film had that intact, and then the decision was made to remove it. Yeah, I mean, it's on the soundtrack, and it's in the liner notes that this music was deleted, so I just synced it back up and, of course, found that it, it, uh, it sank, synced up really well. You had some hints of Vader's theme. Of course, you had the Force theme all over the place, especially when he talks about Anakin Skywalker being a young pilot. You know, and how he failed. And then the music stops when Luke says he can't do it. I mean, the scene was completely scored, but omitted. And I wonder why that is. What's your opinion? Honestly, I mean, I think there are some cool parts in there, most notably the parts that you just specifically mentioned. But I think it's kind of distracting all in all. I don't want to get lost in the music there. And granted, I'm sure that, you know, because we're dealing with the, the mix of the, the sound from the film itself, the background creatures and swamp noises are exceptionally loud. And it wouldn't, I don't think they'd be that loud if the music was intact. So 
sort of the combination of, of the loudness from the swamp along with the music I found to be a little distracting. Yeah, and it's always good to give this caveat when we do this because I'm using a baked film soundtrack and I'm taking the, you know, the, of, of all the dialogue, sound effects, Foley and everything, and I'm taking a music cue from the soundtrack and mixing them together. However, if you were mixing that on the stage, you would be pulling down other elements and making room. And I, you know, because of that, I think music sometimes creeps up a little loud. I tried to keep it as underscore, but also wanted us, you know, just for this sort of academic exercise to be able to hear it clearly. Yeah. You know, but chances are it would be a little more subtle than what I did here. It would be a, diff- it would be a different mix. But no, and you know what? It's still really cool. I mean, it, it, the, the differences are, are elementary at this point. You know, you, you still convey the message you need to convey. So I'm just being a little nitpicky in, in that aspect. Um, I think it is cool how they incorporate the four seam for sure. And I did like how the music dropped out when he said Leia. I, I'm sure you synced it up exactly the way it was supposed to be synced up at that point because you get that that moment where it stops. He realizes it, and then Leia's theme kicks in. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool. That's a, a different way of uh, hearing all that uh, exposition go down. It's a different way of taking in that dialogue with the, the musical uh, underscore there. Um, but uh, But at the end of the day, I think for a message that heavy to be coming out. I mean, we're getting answers that we've been wondering about for two and a half films up to this point. And so I think it was wise to leave it alone and not distract the viewer from anything that, you know, might take away from that message. Because like I said, you've been waiting so long for a lot of those answers. Is that the first time we actually hear the name Anakin? I think it is. Isn't it? Is that the first time we hear the name Anakin? I, that is the time you hear the name Anakin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because uh, because you hear it again later, you know, uh, between Luke and Vader. But you you certainly didn't hear it before then. No, because, you know, you just heard, you know it was his father. Um, uh, listeners, if if you remember, correct us if we're wrong. But I'm I can't rem- off the top of my head. I don't remember if it ever showed up in Ep Four. I don't think it did. Um, you, you fought my father. You know, I, I'm pretty sure you're right. No way. I think that's the first time we hear. I know for a fact that the name Anakin was never used prior to Return of the Jedi because I'll never forget that day in 83, opening up the newspaper and looking at Roger Ebert's review the day Jedi was released. And as part of his review, he had some credits listed there. And among the credits was the name Anakin Skywalker. Ah. I'm like, who the heck is Anakin Skywalker? I didn't think for a second it would be Darth Vader. I thought wow. maybe it was Luke's mom. Believe it or not. Because, you know, obviously we had no idea who Luke's mom was. And we were still on the fence as to whether or not Darth Vader was actually Luke's father. When, yeah. You know, I'm talking about opening day that morning back in May 83. I did, there, wow. weren't, there weren't spoilers, really. I, I think the Marvel comic might have been out. I, I do remember uh, I do remember a kid's brother had the Marvel comic and he had he Story. had answers he had spoilers yes and I, I steered clear of that kid for like a month I think I had a scholastic book order or something because I remember reading the book about you know the little picture book yep not the novel but the picture book probably about 
20 times over before I finally got to see the movie. Wow. You know, because the, the lines were so long. And I know I've told this story before, but it was a blockbuster, meaning literally the small theater in Vacaville, California, downtown. The end of the line was getting confused with the front of the line because the line snaked all the way around the block and back again. Yep. Yes. And they hadn't and figured they out rope and stanchion and long lines, and no one had seen something like this before. Who does this for a movie? You right. know? Um, but everyone came out to see it. It was a phenomenon. Everyone was talking about it. I mean, of course, we were kids, but, I mean, it was it was incredible. So, yeah, I mean, there were some things that were out, and Anakin, I could see how on print, you know, Anna, I don't know, it could, you, maybe it's Luke's mother. You just have no idea at that point. It did, you know, definitely sound more masculine than feminine, but still... I was just my my mind one run wild with speculation at that point, and it's kind of funny. I mean, about that, that was the morning the film was opening, and uh, you know, I know more about the Force Awakens at this point in the production schedule than I ever did about Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Go, you know, the morning of. <laughs> it's yeah, we knew nothing back then. Only that they changed the title. You know, at one point, from revenge to return. That's all we knew. Yes. Yeah, crazy. Different world we live in. For sure. Yeah. Well, so that's that's pretty much a wrap for this week. I mean, we have a lot of stuff to get through uh, next week for the or next month for the the end of uh, for the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, we've covered a lot of great stuff here. I mean, we've covered the themes. We've covered you know all the major themes. Some huge moments, but we still have some uh, huge moments to get to. Um, there's still a lot more to cover, um, but I just love the music in this movie. I love the I love how it harkens back to, in certain subtle ways and sometimes in not so subtle ways, Episode Four, you know, and is kind of as we've always discussed since the beginning, the you know the first volume when we were talking about this movie, our uh, Volume Ten, I believe, it is kind of um, a mirror of Episode Four. You know, it's a return to form. It's the return of the Jedi in every single way. And and musically, that is true in many cases as well. And it's a refreshing change after, you know, living through the hardships of The Empire Strikes Back. You know, a brilliant movie, but certainly a dark movie. And this is a return to form in many ways, and that includes musically. And uh, there are still moments that were deleted that they decided were stronger. I think in this particular case with Obi-Wan and Luke... After going through the death of Yoda, you just needed a moment to sit and reflect and talk to a friend in quiet, in silence. And I, I wonder, that's why I think they deleted the music. You just don't need it. You're hit, getting hit so hard. Again, you need, pacing is important. You need those moments to rest and relax. Um, that moment has been criticized for not being as dramatic, you know, in terms of uh, the Leia Luke brother-sister reveal as it is in episode three, for example. For people who see episode three before they see episode six, they actually prefer to find out that way mm. than they do this way because it's just so underwhelming. Sam Whitworth tells a great story um, on the Comlink. Um, he showed his friend Dave Gentoli, who's the star of uh, Grimm on NBC. He was 30 years old, had never seen Star Wars. And so he showed him episode four and five, then went back to three and then showed him six. And when he, when he saw Return of the Jet, or when he saw episode three, you know, when he saw Empire, he, he just kept tripping over, there's another? What does that mean? Who is it going to be? And then during the birth scene at the end of, of uh, Revenge of the Sith, when they, they say she's carrying twins, he's like, who is it? Is it Leia? And they say Leia. And he just like cheered, you know? And then when he saw Jedi, he was like, boy, this is so underwhelming how Luke finds out. That scene is so underwhelming. And then he goes, wait, wait, wait. That's how the world found out about this? That's how you found out about this, Sam? 
That's, how, that's so lame compared to how I found out in Revenge of the Sith. It's a very interesting tale about how people learn things and what you see first and how that burns into your memory. But it's a very specific choice that they made to leave the music out of that scene and just let it be a moment of rest before you join, rejoin the fleet because the music is huge when you rejoin the fleet. The music was very lyrical in Yoda's death. I'll, I'll play that again uh, next month. Uh, just so we can kind of remind ourselves how rich that is in themes. So maybe that's why. But again, lots of choices here, lots of music. Um, John Williams certain, certainly did not slouch when it came to Return of the Jedi. It is just a rousing score that has some incredible music in it, as you've seen today. You know, for the third film of a series, for him to turn in this kind of output and, and this this massive volume of composition... It really tells you that he cared a great deal about the trilogy and understood the importance of the conclusion and decided to really pull out, you know, pull out everything and just go for it and send it off with a grand finale. Musically, that's exactly what Williams did. He could have phoned it in and recycled a lot of music, and he did recycle a little bit of music, but in a fashion that still made it come off as fresh and revolutionary and the, you know the whole film itself is revolutionary from the special effects to the music to the sound effects even it's it's such a a great way to show hey look look star star wars has snowballed into this really cool thing and we're sending it off with a big bang and that's what they did in 1983 it was a grand send-off george was hanging it up for a while everyone knew it everyone knew star wars was going to take a break and everyone knew that this was the resolution of the story that they set out to tell 10 years prior. So Williams understood the importance of that and really delivered a soundtrack that is absolutely epic in nature and fitting for the final chapter of the original trilogy. David, thank you again so much for all your hard work on this and really looking forward to uh, next month for uh, a little in-depth look and listen into the music of the Imperial March, which I think is uh, would be a great idea because that music is very important to uh, the overall Star Wars saga, something that recurs so many times and has different levels of impact on each and every scene that it's used. And, you know, I mean, Crap, you, you hear it every Sunday when you're watching football games on NBC, you know? somebody it, It's inevitable. Sooner or later, the band's going to break into uh, the Imperial March, or <laughs> you hear it all the time at sporting events. So it's, it's you know, one of those t- pieces of music that has just completely transcended Star Wars and become such a piece of the pop culture fabric in America. It's, uh, it's not even funny, you know? I mean, a lot of people might just associate that music with the villain, you know, not even necessarily making a Star Wars connection because that music oftentimes gets associated with the villain. And uh, and right. so, you know, you, you love when, when things like that happen. So uh, all in all, a great time, David. Thank you so much for uh, laying all this cool music on us. Uh, you guys listening – Keep on filling up our inbox with feedback. We didn't get to any of it this month, but I'm sure next month uh, maybe we'll touch on uh, an email or two because um, the feedback that this show gets is fantastic. Keep it coming. Show at rebelforceradio.com. We pass along everything to David. And uh, 
and thank you so much for your feedback. You guys are really listening to the show. And um, like I said, a lot of uh, people are discovering this show for the first time. And that's what's so much fun about this show is that the music, of course, is timeless as it are these shows themselves. So it's uh, anytime someone wants to jump on board and start listening to Star Wars Oxygen, you can do so from episode number one and get caught up with us over the course of a month. So by the time we release our next episode, you're there and uh, all caught up and uh, ready to uh, rediscover the music of John Williams as he composed it for the uh, Star Wars saga. That's right. That's right. We're going to uh, definitely do some listener feedback uh, next time. We're going to finish out not just talking about the Imperial March, but in t- but talking about the relationship between Luke and Vader quite a bit and how that translates in musical moments. Talk about the Emperor. Talk about that very, very critical scene. We'll, we'll examine the entire ending of that in depth. We're also going to just pick up moments that we may have missed along the way, all the way from the very beginning, including some deleted scenes all throughout. Um, we'll talk about some of that. Um, uh, all the way through the showdown at the end. And of course, you know, since this show is in chronological order and just to, um, you know, address some user feedback or listener feedback here, I know it's right at the very end of the show, but uh, wanted to read just one piece of listener feedback here um, and address it just so everyone knows here. This is from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah writes... um, Are you both going to discuss Jedi Rocks soon? I was disappointed that you both talked about it all in the in-universe music, especially songs that disappeared from the series, but never really opened the songs that replaced them. I vaguely recall a feature I had about it when the special editions came out. Anyway, Jeremiah, absolutely. So this show has been kind of taking place in chronological order. We're presenting the score as it was written in 1983. We will play some of those special edition tracks that were written in 96 for a 97 release uh, next week, and we'll close out... Everything with the victory celebration. So a lot of stuff to cover in Return of the Jedi. We got one more week left or one more month left to Return of the Jedi. And then we'll pick up with episode one in the new year. It's a monthly show. That's uh, right. I keep yeah. saying weekly because I keep wanting to jump back in and, and do it uh, next week. I'll tell you what, I'd be up for doing that if we had uh, eight or nine days a week. I just need, right. I, I need like that eighth day, that like podcast day, we could call it, you know, where I could get all my podcasting business out of the way for the rest of the week. That's but, right. But, um, no, oh, man, it's so great to get together with you every month and, uh, and like I said, get down and dirty with the music of John Williams and Star Wars. So thank you so much for joining us, everyone, and uh, thank you so much for your awesome support for not only Star Wars Oxygen, but for all the shows on the Rebel Force Radio Network. Uh, we love Star Wars. We know you love Star Wars, and we love you for listening. So, uh, David, thank you very much, and uh, we will uh, catch you guys next month on Star Wars Oxygen. So on behalf of David W. Collins, I'm Jimmy Mack, and remember... The Force shall be with you, always. (laughs) Where's my trailer? Somebody bring me some calamari tea. (laughs) And where's my medication? That's better, and I know we're going on to the Rebel Briefing, are we? Okay, great. Fantastic, thank you. (laughs) Agbar's such a diva. (laughs) 